Well, welcome back to Signposts. This is your host, Andrew Boylan, with my dad, William, Pastor William Boylan. We would like to uh, urge you to come check out PastorBoylan.com at your leisure time and uh, see what we're all about here at Signpost Ministries. But today we're talking about Martin Luther. We've been talking about the Reformation and we've been talking about the 500th anniversary. As we went into the break, we were coming out of the historical and the theological and we were talking about the personal. We were talking about Abraham and one man. Yeah, I, I don't want to uh, leave this uh, beside and end up with the uh, hour gone and not have a chance to really uh, think about with you, if you're listening, uh, the importance of your life. Uh, I was suggesting that uh, I've seen God do some things with my life I never expected him to do, and they're exciting. And I give God thanks for the privilege of doing them. Uh, so we, we don't, we're not just thinking about things here. We're really hopefully inspiring you as you listen to think about what, what can God do in and through you? What, what mm. can he accomplish? What does he plan to accomplish? What, you know, he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good, not for evil, plans for to give you a future and a hope. And that's a, that's a promise God makes to uh, those of us who trust what he has to say to us through his Bible. That's in Jeremiah for chapter 29, verse 11. But we can take it and apply it to ourselves. And we've been looking at Martin Luther uh, because this one man, uh, who made one great uh, change in his life uh, from studying law to studying the Bible as a profession. Uh, and before he was done, uh, the Western world was changed. Mm. What, a, what, a, what a thing. And uh, uh, I, w- I wonder if the preparation for that, to think that way, might not have been in Genesis when Abraham uh, got word that the Lord had had it with Sodom and Gomorrah. That mm. It was over. Uh, they they had not repented. They had not turned back from their sin and their evil, and it was time now to exterminate them. I mean, and Abraham uh, asked God a very serious question. I think a question that may pop up in any of our minds. Well, if you're going to do the sweeping thing and just wipe the area out, what about the people there who aren't involved? What about the people there who are living it righteously as they understand it, or as you may have described it, God. Uh, what, what, he, what he asked them, will, will you wipe out the city if they have 50, only 50 people in there are righteous? Will, will you kill them with mm. everybody else? That's what Abraham is asking God. And God says, no. No, if, if there's 50 righteous in the city, then I'll spare the city for the sake of the righteous. Well, Abraham says, what about if there aren't 50? What about if there's only 45? Will you do it for 45? And God said, yeah. If there's 45, I'll pass over the city and I'll spare them. And then Abraham, maybe he felt a little uncomfortable. I don't know what he felt like. It's not in the text, but I know what I'd feel like. He said, well, can I, can, can I push my point? What if there's not 45? What if there's only 40? God says, 40's enough. If there's 40... I'll spare the city. Would you, Abraham says, would you even do it for 30? Yes. Even if it's only 30 in that whole city, I'll let the city go for the sake of the 30. Mm. You you probably wouldn't do it for 20, would you? Well, yes. For 20, I'll still do it. Even if it's only 20. And then I can, I may, I'm imagining, but I think Abraham took a deep breath and said, what about 10? What about 10? What if there's only 10 people in this whole city who are righteous, who are followers, who, 
who uh, don't like what's going on in the city and, and want it re- restored, mm. revived. God says, 10. I'll do it for 10. Now, I have a question. Why did Abraham stop at 10? He stopped at 10. I, maybe Abraham just did, it was still growing in his faith because I suspect that he would have done it for one. Mm. And the reason is because that's what he did. He, one man, by one man, sin came into the world and death through sin. And then by one man, he saved the world, his mm. one and only son. So I think Abraham uh, didn't have enough faith yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and when I think of that passage, they say it's back in Genesis. Uh, when I think of that passage, I think one of the one of the reasons it's there and been preserved for us uh, is that I I believe God wants us to think about uh, the significance of us as mm. one person and the potential that's in us as one person. Uh, that God can do with us things we've never imagined. You know, eye has not seen or mm-hmm. ear heard what God has prepared for those who love him. And uh, and when we look back on the life of Martin Luther, perhaps we have one of the clearest examples of what one man's faith was able to do for his world, mm. his world. W- one of the... Uh, uh, things I would like to also bring to people's attention is something I've thought a lot about uh, because uh, we can't predict the day and the hour of anything. God keeps his own secrets, as we said earlier. Uh, he knows the end. He didn't. His son, according to uh, the flesh, according to his humanity, did not know the, when the end of the world would come. Jesus said, no man knows, not even the son. He didn't know the end of the, when the world would end. Mm. But Interestingly, as the as time goes on and as history develops and as things happen, uh, there are signals, there are signs. Uh, we 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 are invited to put two and two together. We are invited to see God's way of working. Right. Uh, and something that I am wondering about, because we're sitting here, Andrew, uh, at the beginning of the 21st century, uh, and 20 centuries have elapsed, and it seems to me that since God does everything on time and he puts everything in time mm. and even talks about the exactitude of things, he says uh, through Paul, Paul mm. is preaching to elders or philosophers really on Mars Hill in Athens and he's come across someone, uh, something they worship, which is an unknown God. Mm. And uh, Paul says, uh, "I, you may not know that God. I know who he is. You want me to tell you about him? And they say, you know who he is? Uh, paraphrasing, but that was what mm-hmm. it was. And he says, well, the God who uh, is real, the real God, n- puts us in the world at an exact moment and an exact place. The word exact appears in the text. Anybody wants to look it up, I think it's uh, Acts 26, 18. And, but he's talking to the Athenian, uh, Athenian philosophers. Well, if God is that exact about how he does things, I think he's really inviting us to think about his his overall plan for the ages Mm -hmm. and where we fit into them. I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking through how God has worked since he doesn't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not do one thing one day and another thing the next. He's working out a plan. And 
and I say that because it's it's at least interesting to me that uh, Luther uh, appears in the 16th century, 1500s, hmm. 500 years ago to us, right? 1500 years after Christ rose from the dead. Yeah, well, that's a great time frame question um, to talk to remind people. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Signposts on the WBIX network. This I'm Andrew Boylan with my dad, Pastor William Boylan. Um, we come to you each week to talk about God and Scripture and the influences on the on the Americas and on these the, the planting of America. Um, and today we're talking about the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther and the Reformation. And as this anniversary has just taken place, we've, thought, we've taken a few weeks to discuss it. And right now you were talking, Dad, about why the 1,500 years after Christ, 500 years before now, and this, this moment that it happened— well, what I was thinking was something that actually I taught this to an eighth grade class at the Byfield Parish Church. Uh, I always wanted these youngsters to see more than the details of what I could tell them in story form. I wanted them to see the big picture. Mm. I wanted to put themselves into the big picture. And then I felt that the, 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 the details would take care of themselves. We could share them, but I wanted them to fit into the big picture. Right. So something I noticed uh, it was that, that strategic points, or can we call it that, uh, turns in God's activity on earth came about every 500 years. Mm. I, I noticed that. Uh, up until the time of Noah and the flood, there was a whole world system flooded out. Mm. Uh, it, Peter, in his second letter, says that was the world that went, then was. Mm. And it was a different world in that sense than our world. And again, one man comes out of that world, a new Adam. Mm. His name is Noah. And Noah starts the race again. Yep. Race. Then uh, the Bible takes us right to Abraham. Now, now we're dealing with the, our dates. Now we can date things. Yep. And Abraham lived 2,000 years before Jesus was born. Mm. 2,000 years before. We're living 2,000 years after Jesus was born. So we're talking about a 4,000-year span that mm -hmm. we can date. And it just occurred, I just was interested. I can't, I don't want to go too much beyond this, but people, you, as you're listening today, think about what you think about this. If you notice that the 500 years, approximately, not to the exact moment, but in that framework, 500 years after Abraham was born, his family ends up as slaves in Egypt. Mm. 500 years. And, and that was a critical moment in the history of God's dealing with the world. Because w when God came and set them free mm. through Moses, he did something else. He gave them a constitution and made them a nation. They had been a family up till then. Now they're a nation on earth that belongs to God. Mm. And their constitution was the Ten Commandments. Right. That, was, that was their covenant. They, mm -hmm. God promised them something if they would keep it, and they promised God something by keeping it. Mm. Okay? They didn't do very good at it, but they, were pro they had the promise. Then, 500 years later, Israel reaches the high point in its life when David is the king and Solomon follows up by building a temple. Mm. That was 500 years after they were released from the Egyptian tyranny. Mm. Okay? Yep. Now, again, they were unfaithful. <clears throat> they were 
fallen human beings, and they disobeyed, and they became idolatrous, and God put up with them for a long time, for 500 years. <laughs> but 500 years later, the year 589 B.C., mm-hmm. he lets loose uh, the Babylonians, and they conquer Jerusalem. Mm. And they deport the, at least the the best of the Israel, Israelis or the Israelite children, the, yep. the promising ones. They are deported to Babylon. Mm. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all end up in Babylon. Mm. <clears throat> that was 500 years approximately after David. And then 500 years later, Jesus is born. Mm. Uh, so now when the next era starts, it's about 500 years, the time of the Pope Gregory the Sixth, mm. uh, or the first. Maybe he was the first. I may have the Pope's wrong in number, but it was Gregory. 500 years after Christ is born, the church is really coming into ascendancy. Mm. Now, the church has taken over Rome. And instead of the Roman Empire, it's the Holy Roman Empire, mm-hmm. which someone observed is neither holy nor Roman nor an empire. But that's kind of beside the point. At least that's the way it was seen. Right. And then 500 years later, the time of Pope Innocent the Third, I think it was, the church is probably at its worst point. Mm. Uh, they, uh, you couldn't tell the world from the church uh, when they— when Charlemagne, the king of France, or the king of that, the France wasn't in existence yet, but the king of Europe, mm-hmm. when he was crowned, the Pope crowned him. Mm. And the great controversy was, was it the king being honored by the Pope crowning him or the king submitting to the Pope as the one who could crown him? Right. Yep. Yep. This is Signpost Ministries, and you can reach us at PastorBoylan.com. We've been talking about Martin Luther, and we are talking about right now— the breakdown of 500 years marks, and this, this being the anniversary, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, we thought it was important to sort of paint, paint the big picture of where it falls into history and where these major moments happen every 500 years. And as you were you were talking about the crowning of the king? Yeah, so around the year 1000, it was 800, but, but in that period, I mean, things moved slow. It, they didn't have cell phones and they didn't fly in airplanes. Uh, things didn't change much in 100 years. Uh, but it right. was about, I think it was the year 1000 that you could really say the church is about its nadir. It's, it's fallen about as far as it's going to go. And uh, over the course of the next 500 years, finally breaking out in 1500, 500 years after that, Luther posts his thesis. Mm. Now, why I say that is that uh, helps me. I hope it might help somebody else to think in those frameworks because God has done something significant every 500 years. Mm. Abraham is called and promised to bless the world. His people go into bondage. God says, I'm gonna, I'll take them out with my own hand. He releases them from slavery. Uh, they fall into the hands of the Babylonians, and God brings them out again, restores them, brings them back, using the Persian king Cyrus to do it. Mm. Uh, then Jesus is born, uh, and the Savior of the world appears on earth, and he accomplishes the salvation of souls on the cross of his cross in the year one. I mean, you know, 30, he was 33 years old, but I mean that period. Right. Then the church so is so influential that by the time you get to the year 500, the church is in control of the world. 
It's the Holy Roman Empire. Right. And then, like it happens over and over again, uh, things just degenerate and deteriorate. And they were at a pretty low ebb in the year 1000. But boom, 500 years later, again, 500 years, Luther posted thesis. Right. Now, here we sit in the year 2000. Exactly. We're at the 500 mile, which is the, not 500 mile mark, but it's 500 years. Is, is, are we due for a revival? Are we due for an awakening? I mean, right. what's going on? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's interesting when, when it's broken down that way and when you look at our place in, in history, I know it's a question that we ask constantly and it's something that we talk about a lot when we look at the, at the American scene. We, I mean, and we look at how... The Reformation took place, and we look at how revivals take place in in our country and um, and in other countries, and how the gospel comes back and comes back and circles back. And you look at at what at what intervals that ha- can happens. You know, there is that that lingering question: yeah. Is it happening? Is it about to happen? Are we, yeah. you know, and are we and who is going to be who are going to be the members of that that transformative moment? Um, and we won't know. History will decide. But do we want to be on the side? I mean, I think that's one of the things with signposts. Do we want to be on that that right side, the side with God, bringing the word back, putting it out there in front? Um, do we believe that 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 the fact that this country was planted with those words, planted to be a light to the world, did that foster the greatness of? that America has become and, and created such an amazing, you know, country that people want from all over the world want to come here so much so that we have to build a wall to, to slow it down. The, the people that want to come. So, I mean, these are the questions and, and looking at these as, as 500 years, it does beg a question. What is happening and, and how are we involved in that? Yeah. Well, let's, again, be very practical. You're listening to us on Salem Network. The Salem Network is a large Christian network that now is in, I believe they now have 119 affiliates across the country and in the major cities. Mm. It's, we're, we're in Boston uh, talking to you, and uh, there, there are people on the air in Houston, Texas, and in L.A., and up at uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, all on the Salem Network. And the thing that has really, I think, impressed Andrew and I is the zeal that the people in this radio network, from the president on down, have for the country. Uh, they, they have begun a new program that uh, is urging people to pray. And they are asking pastors to come on the air and lead in prayer regularly during the day. Mm. Uh, they are not simply a business, and they are not simply, I mean, they ha- we're in the real world. We have to, they have to make money. Of course, they have to have sponsors, but, there's a, but, I, but you wouldn't know what Andrew and I know, that there's a heart beating below all of this to really be instrumental and evangelistic mm. in bringing the gospel of God to the region in which they broadcast. They they are not looking at their their listeners as customers. They're looking at them as people they want to serve mm. and whose lives they want to see flourish. And one of the reasons for inviting us on the air is because they 
felt that we could uh, broadcast this message in such a way that uh, you who are listening would really be encouraged, that you would have a renewed zeal to want God to work in your life, uh, that you would want to see this kind of reformation in our country and in our region and in your home. We certainly, Andrew and I, want it in our homes. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's but it's important to remember that we are a part of Salem Network, and they have allowed us to be on the air, and we bring this show for the last year to it. But we are supported by you, the listener. If you like what you hear, that is the only reason that we get to be here. They don't. Salem doesn't pay our bills. We pay them of our own volition and through our listener support. And we've been supported throughout this year and our support is coming to an end and we are looking to continue to keep going. And if you enjoy what you hear, you think that this is an important message for America, for the future and for New England and for Massachusetts and for the Boston area, we urge you to come to PastorBoylan.com and donate so we can stay on because this is we're coming to the end of our of our run here. And so we are we are looking for new funding to finish out the year and to start again next year. And the only way that we can do that is if you've enjoyed what you've heard and uh, want to uh, support and continue to hear hear this ministry. So as we finish up today, we just want to summarize maybe a little bit of what we've talked about for the last number of weeks in these last couple minutes that we have. It's the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. It was a monumental shift from the uh, the dominant church, um, and it posed questions that uh, that we've tried to elucidate where those questions came from in the text, from from the Gospels, and from the letters of Paul, um, and what and Romans in particular, what Martin Luther was reading at those times and inspired him to want to see this change, to write his ninety five point thesis, to nail it to a board you know, for the for the towns to see and begin a debate and ask questions that he didn't feel the church was asking at that time. And out of that, an entirely new church with a new focus was born and history changed through that, through those words. And I'll give it over to you for the last minute here, but we, uh, that's well, what if we've I were, been talking about. Sure. If I were to give a summary, I would say this, that what Martin Luther did by uh, going back to the Bible and seeing it for what it was saying and not seeing it through the filter of the church. And because the church had sort of taken control of the Bible and told people what it said and what they should believe about it. Martin Luther was a scholar and he was a, a sincere Christian, that's for sure. And he wanted to know what the Bible really told him. And what he effectively did was fulfilled uh, what, what uh, John in his gospel says will happen if it is done. Uh, uh, and, and really, Jesus said it, but uh, John reported it. He said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness or in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I, as a pastor, uh, as you know, Andrew, because you're my son and you grew up in the church, my one bottom line message came, I hope it came to every sermon I ever preached, is that I lifted up Christ and to let him be seen for who he was. Mm. And he said, if I will lift him up, he will do the drawing. 
we we saw spectacular things happen at the Byfield Church, growth, miraculous. We saw we saw really what we find written in the New Testament record in Acts. We saw it happen in our church. I don't think it was because I was clever or had uh, a way of speaking that was uh, unique. I lifted up Christ, and he did the drawing. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no question. Well, this has been another hour of Signpost Ministries. Thank you for joining us on WBIX, and we look forward to talking with you again next week. Have a blessed week.